Good afternoon. I thought I'd bring this with me. Um, I've always had it on my desk over the years, so I thought that would be very appropriate. <laughs> You've heard that one before. Be patient, God isn't finished with me yet. <laughs> uh, so, good afternoon. Um, this is a real pleasure for me to be asked to speak to you today. I hope it proves to be a bit of pleasure for you as well. Um, we're continuing with the series um, based in Galatians chapter 5 on the subject of the fruit of the Spirit. In Paul's list of the elements of that fruit, um, we've come to the fourth, patience, love, joy, peace, patience. And as we've seen on previous weeks, um, these elements are produced in our lives, in the lives of those who've received Jesus as our Savior, been born of the Spirit, and in whom the Holy Spirit now lives. Uh, the Spirit is also called the Spirit of Jesus in, in Philippians chapter 1. Um, that's how Paul describes him. And that's helpful for us to know that the same, the same characteristics that we see in Jesus, his Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in our lives too. So when he comes into our lives, we, we see something of the nature of Jesus being formed in us. Romans 8.29 says we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And so we come to patience. Um, I'm going to look at the subject under three headings. Um, one, the patience of God. Two, patience with God. And the third, patience in us. So, and I'll explain what I mean as I go along. So the first is the patience of God. The Old Testament, in a number of places, speaks of the patience of God. In Exodus chapter 33, we read about one of the encounters that Moses had with God. And during that encounter, he says, now show me your glory. And God says, no. And in chapter 34, what he does, what God does, is he, he tells Moses what his character is like, some of his characteristics. So in chapter 34 and verse 6, it says that the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So in this description of himself to Moses and to us, he says that one of his characteristics, depending on which translation of the Bible you read, he didn't say that to Moses, but um, <laughs> depending on what, which translation you go to, it's either slow to anger or patience or forbearance or 
long-suffering. I think that's about the best one, long-suffering. And this particular characteristic of God is seen many times over in the way that he deals with his people. When we come to the New Testament, uh, we see this characteristic perfectly personified in Jesus, in his life, in his dealings, both with his disciples and with other sorts of people too. He is long-suffering. He is slow to anger. He is remarkably patient. Do you agree? Those of you who are well-read in Scripture, I mean, when you look at the Gospels, you think, what an amazing person. I was thinking when we were singing that song earlier on, this is an amazing grace. You could take each one of these fruit of the Spirit um, addressed uh, concerning Jesus, describing Jesus. He was amazing love, amazing joy, amazing peace, amazing patience. Everything about him was amazing. And then we see this. His disciples then, like us now, messed up, made mistakes, got things wrong, misunderstood what he was saying, and on occasions completely missed the point. But the wonderful thing is, he didn't reject or discard them when this happened. Long-suffering is a very apt way of describing Jesus, I think. I guess one of the best um, case studies of Jesus' patience with somebody would be his relationship with the Apostle Peter. I just want to talk about him for a moment or two. The choosing of a name uh, for a child can be an intriguing exercise. Sometimes it's just a matter of liking the sound of it. But some names are chosen for the meaning. And, uh, for example, we chose our firstborn's name, Matthew, because it meant, means gift of God. And that seemed appropriate. However, for our next child, a daughter, we chose Rebecca because we liked the name and wanted to be able to shorten it to Becky. It was only years later that we discovered that it means a noosed cord or a snare, (laughs) much to our daughter's horror. But she was delighted to find that there is an alternative, which is faithful wife. Um, So she prefers to say that's what her name means. Peter's name um, originally was Simon, which apparently can either mean reed, R-E-E-D, piece of grass, that stands tall but can easily be swayed by the wind and even broken. I've only found one place where um, it's 
that the commentator says that's what it means. That's David Pawson in his biography of Peter. Nobody else agrees with him, but that, then that's not unusual. Um, but there, but m most other commentators say that the, the name Simon means listens. Reed would have helped my illustration much better, but we'll go with listens as well. What I, what I want to say is that when Jesus met Simon, he chose to change his name from what he was to what he would be. So when he saw Simon, he either saw a reed or he saw someone who's listening, and he says, I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you from, from being a Simon into being a Peter. And from that point on, Jesus began a process in, his, in this man's life, which is a great example of patience because the wonderful thing is that for each one of us, when, he, when you encountered Jesus, he, he saw not just what you are, but what you will be. And he has begun that process, which brings in his patience. Patient to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. So Jesus could see something in Simon that he would be working towards and developing over the years ahead. And even though Peter made mistakes, outstanding mistakes, he misunderstood and missed the point at times and eventually denied knowing Jesus when Jesus needed him most. But Jesus didn't give up on this man. And eventually, after the resurrection, met him on the beach, you may remember, and restored and rehabilitated and recommissioned him. Remarkable. Jesus is patient with him, eventually turning this reed into a rock. Let's just read in John chapter 21 that account of Jesus meeting Peter on the beach. John 21 verse 15. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Every time I read that passage, my heart is stirred and I thank God for Jesus and his patience. I love that 
at the end where, where Peter says to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. He sees our hearts. He sees our hearts. Even when we've made mistakes, got things wrong, he sees our hearts. You know that I love you. So every time I read it, my heart stirred. I thank God Jesus and his patience with those who've declared themselves to be his followers. And more specifically, his patience with me. He was patient with me before I became a Christian. When people were witnessing to me and praying for me, I had that sense, you know, I'd met up at the age of 17, I met some Christians and they... um, I was invited to a youth club, and then I was invited to their Sunday meetings. And I realized afterwards that every time I walked out of the room, you know, they'd put heads down, go for him, Lord, do something with him. And I'm so glad that those people patiently prayed for me. And God was wonderfully patient and waited for the day that the truth dawned on me, and I came in faith to him. Wonderful patience. Wonderful patience. He not only saw what I was, but could also see what I could become. And I think, um, I think James quoted this the other week. He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. In Philippians 1 verse 6. He who began a good work is going to carry it on to completion. It's a wonderful evidence of the patience of God. And then just before we leave Peter, for a moment, let's look with me at what Peter has to say about this patience of God that he had personally experienced when he wrote his second letter that's in the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and nine. Here, Peter is dealing with people's questions regarding God's timing, God's time scale in the way that he does things. And the apostle writes there, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, sometimes when you're waiting for God to do something, it's it's not particularly helpful to hear that one day is like a thousand years. I mean, sometimes when you're waiting for God to do something, it does feel like a thousand years. That description of God's patience um, with us, the fact that he works to a different time scale to us, teaches us two important lessons um, or two important elements in our relating to him and serving him. First, If he is patient with people in drawing them to himself, we need to be patient too in our praying for people and sharing the gospel with them. I'll come back to that in a moment. But the second thing is that it teaches 
that we, we need to be patient with God. That may sound a bit irreverent, um, so let me move on to my second point to explain. Patience with God. So we've looked at patience of God, now the patient, our patience with God. Because God is working to a completely different time scale from ours, we have to learn to be patient with him rather than become impatient, frustrated, disappointed, and even angry at times. There are many examples of this throughout Scripture. Um, <clears throat> William read uh, one passage earlier on. But in both Old and New Testament, there are examples where God's people um, have to wait for God. Let me give you just a few samples of testimony of this out of a possible long, long list. Here they are then. Psalm 33, verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word, I hope. And then Isaiah 40, 31 the verse that we're very familiar with, I think. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. These are not just words of testimony from individuals that lived thousands of years ago. They could be echoed and repeated over and over again in the lives of millions of believers and followers of Jesus down through the history of God's dealings with his people. I've been a Christian for some 56 years. That's over half a century. Um, and I could reel off many occasions when for me, waiting for God has been a strengthening and an educational experience. That's pulling it nicely. Um, I first met a Christian when I was 17. I started work as an apprentice at the Oxford University Press in Oxford. And um, I served an apprenticeship for five years and carried on working there for another three. And um, during that time, I became a Christian. And um, I also met Julie, and we got married, and we started a family. And we had a real sense that God was, was speaking to us and calling us into some sort of um, work within the Christian church in some way or other. And I'm, I'm sort of reticent to say full-time because I know someone will put their hand up and say, well, we're all full-time. I know that, but you know what I mean. So, um, but it was a big deal for me to make that step to, from being in a secure uh, employment and um, being, we lived in a house that was owned by the company I worked for. We had two children 
And for me to move from that to work for what was a, a Christian organization where you depended upon the contribution, donations of other people was a big, big step. We didn't quite know where we were going to live, and we didn't quite know where the money was going to come from. And so it was a, it was a big thing for us to pray, and I was, we were praying and praying. Every time I went into a meeting and someone said, open your Bible, I was thinking, this will be, the, this will be it. You know, I'm going to get a word from God. And that went on for a very long time. And I went to a lot of meetings and I read a lot of Bible verses. And, and I can remember going to a conference that was organized by this particular organization. I was listening to the speakers each, each session thinking, oh, just, I would, God, please, I want to do this, but I, I, I can't do it unless you say yes. And I went for a walk during one of the breaks and out on the field of this um, conference center. And so I was walking along and I said, Lord, this, this is, I think this is the moment, Lord. You know, what are you saying to me? And without me, without me planning it or even thinking what he would say to me, the one word I heard in my head was, wait. And I can remember looking up into the sky. It was good. There was no one else around. It was a big field. But I've been waiting. I don't want to wait any longer. Well, that didn't do me any good because I had to wait even longer. But eventually, there came the day when we knew that God was saying something to us. And we took that step, and God was with us through it. This past year has been a bit like that, not, not in the same way, but it has been a time when we've had to wait, mainly for me, um, <laughs> for me to get my voice back and be able to speak. That was, that was quite a, a wait. It wasn't too long, thank, thank the Lord for that. But um, it's been, a, it's been a, a, a year, really. So these were occasions when God's timing was not mine, and at times it was a testing experience to accept God's timing. But I have to say that there was eventually a remarkable sense of peace in which I knew that it's okay. God's in control. His times or my times are in his hands. We've already seen that fruit is not instant. And of all the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, this one, patience, is the proof of that truth. The only way to get patience is to become patient. And is to have to wait for things. It's the only way that patience can develop is if you have to wait for things. I think um, Owen said in the first session that, not, that, that the fruit of the Spirit is not instant, yet is inevitable. It's not instant. In John chapter 15, and the first couple of verses, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
And here Jesus is talking about fruit and how the vine dresser prunes the vine in order that it will produce more fruit. I think that's what patience is about. It's one way in which he prunes us so that we will bear more fruit. Um, the first place that I was a pastor was in Caversham, not that far away. And the, the, the church house was right next to the church building. And so our garden was, in fact, the church garden, or the other way around, the church garden was our garden. And in this, uh, when we moved in, uh, there, there were some fruit trees in this back, the back garden. They looked pretty rough. They'd, nobody had looked after them for a number of years. But we had two... Um, aged gardeners in the church and I remember taking them up the garden one morning after the service and said to them what can I do about these fruit trees they look awful don't they oh yeah they look awful yeah they do look awful uh, well well what you need to do is give them a good pruning I said oh what's that there were plum trees I thought something to do with prunes but anyway he said um, no what you need to do is give it Cut it right back. You know, I said, what, what? Just cut the ends? No, no, no. Give it a good, hard prune. I said, all right. So the next day, I was out there with my pruners, and, um, and I, I, I did what they told me. So the next Sunday, after the service, I took them up the garden again, said, what do you think? And the two of them looked at each other and went, <laughs> well, that said it. Actually, it did eventually. I think it was a number of years before those trees bore fruit again. There are sometimes periods of waiting that prove to be times of pruning, cutting us back, making us wait, so that we learn hard lessons that perhaps we would learn no other way. Pruning that produces patience and a greater respect for God's sovereignty and his control over our lives. How many times? Uh, I don't know about you, but the number of times I've just had to say, God, you're God. I'm not. I don't know why this is happening, but you're in charge. I'll wait for you. Patience with God. And the third thing I wanted to say, how are we doing? Right, quick. Patience in us. As these lessons about God and about ourselves develop, we, we gain the ability or learn lessons in dealing with other people the way we should and the way he would. Fruit has to show, or if it's fruit at all, it has to show, and you can't have theoretical fruit. It has to be a reality that shapes and touches the lives of others and the situations we are handling in life. And I just wanted to touch on four, don't worry, these are not no, the four main points, but just four areas in which I think we need to learn patience and you may be having to learn patience at the moment. I wanted to finish by touching on those and maybe you'll 
this will touch your life, where you are at the moment, and we can then pray about that together. But the first way is um, patience in witnessing. Is there someone that you've been sharing your faith with for some time, perhaps even years for some people? Do you perhaps feel that this is proving to be a waste of time? You've got to that point, that you've been investing a lot of time and energy that seems to be producing no positive response. Perhaps this is the time to remind yourself of how people were patient with you and when you were in that same position. There was a guy in the last church we were in, there was a man there, his, his wife had been a Christian for years, his father, who is now in his 90s, was a, has been a Christian for years and years. But this man just had never come to know the Lord. And he was coming to church every Sunday, sitting there. And I was st- I'd stand up there and preach and think, come on, what's up with you? I didn't actually say that out loud. But, you know, that was my... You know, preaching the gospel, you know, like, I'm a simple man, I'll preach a simple gospel, come on, and um, one Sunday morning, uh, just before the meeting, he said, Chris, I I need to just say something to you before the meeting, I said, what's that, and he said, "Um, I just want you to know that I gave my life to the Lord this week, and I said, oh, good, (laughs) what, (laughs) it's like, uh, it was just amazing, he'd been ill, and Uh, he said that that week he was putting his granddaughter to bed and he sang to her um, what what a mighty God we have what a mighty God we have he was singing that to her and then he thought well if that's true I ought to give my life to him and he said I just got down on my knees and did it I thought well anyway so I thought well there's a there's a lesson patience in witnessing don't give up. Patience in praying. That person that you've also been praying for, perhaps, and there's no apparent evidence of change or movement. Perhaps this is the time for you to remember those words in 2 Peter 3, verse 9 again. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, but is patient towards you, towards them, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Maybe it's time to remind you of that. Patience in counselling. Counselling is a bit of a grand word. What I mean is, in being a friend to someone, is there someone who has come to you for advice and you've offered them something of your learned wisdom, things learned through your own experience, of something similar, and they're not being particularly quick to take your advice and appreciate what a font of wisdom you are, should you give up and wash your hands of them? I don't think so. You know, I've got some people that I've been um, been a pastor to at some points, and at this moment, as far as I know, are right away from God. 
And it would be very easy to say, well, they didn't take any notice of me. I'm just not going to bother anymore. I don't think I should do that. I think I should keep in touch. And finally, patience in conflict. Perhaps there's someone with whom you're actually in conflict. Maybe even a fellow Christian. They may have, they may have hurt you or you disagree over some issue regarding your faith. Does this situation call for the same patience that Jesus showed Peter? For example, where Peter simply couldn't understand what Jesus was saying or was completely missing the point. Is this time to look back over some of those gospel accounts and learn again something about the patience that Jesus showed his disciples? Conclusion. What what I mean is like, conclusion? What is your conclusion? As you look at this fruit of the Spirit that God so clearly shows in his character, Jesus so clearly showed in his dealings with people, how do we have that same patience in us? I think the best way to draw my talk to a conclusion is to go back to what we saw at the start, the patience of God. We need, in our worship, when we, when we come to worship as we do, uh, to bring ourselves back to the patience that God has shown towards mankind. What a wonderful saviour is Jesus our Lord. Yeah. Do you not ever say, Lord, how do you put up with me? You know, how do you, how do you keep coming back and teaching me the same lessons over and over again? because of his wonderful patience. Aren't you glad that he's been patient? This room would be empty, you know, if God wasn't patient. Aren't you glad that people patiently prayed for you? Aren't you glad that they demonstrated this fruit of the Spirit? They never gave up. And therefore, aren't you glad that God has put his spirit in you and that whether you're waiting for God to give you an answer or some direction or a situation you've been working at, hoping to see a change, aren't you glad that by his spirit he can produce the necessary patience to work through this? My subject this evening isn't an instantaneous one. You know, like, give me patience now. It doesn't work like that, does it? So my message for you this evening, or I think what God wants to say is, in those situations, he wants you to keep keeping on. Um, Don't give up. Surrender yourself again to his sovereignty and his wisdom, and his timing. Amen. Can I just pray for us? Um, And you may be able to identify one of those areas in your life where you feel God may be just putting his finger on it. It's a wonderfully reassuring thing when you think you've got it wrong and God says, it's okay, it's okay. 
you know, it's not the time yet, it's not right, it's not, it's not the moment yet, but just keep on. But, so let's just let's pray for a moment. Lord, we do want to say thank you to you that you have chosen, you didn't need even to say to Moses, this is what I'm like. You didn't have to do that, but you did it. And one of the things you said to him, Lord, was that you are slow to anger, that you are long-suffering, that you are patient. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that revelation of what you're like. And so, Lord, with confidence, we come to you now and just want to ask you, Lord, particularly for those situations, Lord, that we're in. Maybe we've been... We've been witnessing to someone. We've been talking to them about you. And it doesn't seem to be making much difference to them, Lord. There may be some, Lord, that are just plain stubborn, Lord. So we want to pray now. First of all, give us patience, Lord, with that person. Give me patience with that person, Lord. But also, Lord, would you... Would you work in their lives, come to you again, Lord, for you to do a work in them. By your spirit, convict them of their need of you. We pray, Lord, for you to help us to be patient in our praying. Lord, there are some we've been praying for and praying for. Some people in our families, Lord, that we... We dearly would love them to come to know you. Lord, give us a fresh sense of faith for this. Give us patience, Father. Lord, there are those, Lord, that we've, we've given advice to. We've tried to help. And yet, Lord, there doesn't seem to be any... They don't seem to receive what we've been saying. They don't seem to get it the way that we get it, Lord, and we just want to pray for them again, Lord, and Lord, if there's some other way that we ought to be speaking to them, something else we ought to be saying, different to what we have been saying, Lord, we pray for wisdom, Lord, to know what that is. And Father, there may be some, Lord, that we are somehow at odds with people that we've disagreed with and we've become impatient with them. We've reached that point of thinking, well, if they can't see it the way I see it, then I'm just not going to bother anymore with them. We pray, Lord, that you give us that patience. Lord Jesus, we just have to keep coming back to you because... You showed us such a remarkable example to follow. We are so glad that you were patient with Peter and James and John and Andrew and all those people, Lord, that you were so patient with them. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you for what you did for Peter. We thank you, Lord, for that meeting on the beach again where you took him through that whole process. Do you love me? Do you love me? But do you really love me? We want to say that again to you tonight, Lord. Thank you, for, thank you for being patient with Peter. Thank you for being patient with me. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to bear that same fruit as we deal with others.
We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus, for your name's sake. Amen.